Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 357 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am Jason Evans, your Sherpa on our guide to the Duke wilderness this weekend. And it was a busy weekend. The Blue Devils played on both Friday and Saturday nights, and we have a lot to tell you about it. In fact, we were there. Well, not me. I wasn't actually there, but my colleague Sam Klein, who is with me today, was in attendance. Donald Wine, by the way, far too busy taking care of the U.S. men's national soccer team to be able to join us on this podcast this weekend. <laughs> so it's just me and Sam. But uh, like I said, Sam was in Durham for both the games. Did you have a good time, Sam? Was it, it was great being back in person for basketball, wasn't it? Oh, for so many reasons. It was it was great being back. Like you said, I was in town for both games. I was sitting above the rail, so to say, uh, for for both games. As folks who have been in Cameron Indoor know, there is a a stark difference between sitting sort of courtside, be it in media or in uh, student sections or or behind the benches, as opposed to being up top. Uh, and so I was up top for these two games, which was really cool. Also allowed me to do a bit more observing, I think, uh, than than if I was down low. So I have. I have thoughts and observations from from the return to regular season basketball games in Cameron, but I, I definitely want to talk about the games first. Yes, yes, and we will do that. And, you know, we're going to forego at least some of our usual format here. When there are the three of us, um, we, we like dividing it up. You know, we, we do our headline, we do the good, we do the bad. And it makes sense because with three people, we're going to cover everything that way. To, to be sure, with only two people, we're not going to confine ourselves with the good and the bad. But we are going to start with a headline. I want a headline from each game. Let's start with the Army game. Duke beats Army 82 to 56. Sam, give me your headline from that contest. Veterans Day, no problem for Duke against Army. Uh, that's, my, that's my headline from the first game. Uh, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about all the, the, the excitement of it being against Army and Veterans Day and, and Mike Krzyzewski and, and all of that. Yeah, so my headline is, and I'm going to play on words here a little bit, Army shows fight, but Duke has more than enough. Um, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you get what I'm going for I like there. That. <laughs> you like that? I like that. More than enough because Wendell Moore turns in. Oh gosh, I should have looked this. I think the fifth or the sixth. I believe the sixth triple double in Duke history in this game. Wow, um, Wendell was just everywhere um, in the 82 to 56 victory. Uh, you know, final score not indicative of how close the game was. Um, I, I, I noted, by the way, it took Duke all of 45 seconds to exceed the number of three-pointers that they had gotten against Kentucky in the first game. Anyone who was terrified and panicked that this Duke team was not going to be able to hit any three-pointers, they promptly buried two in the first minute of the, of the Army game. Sam, give me your other takeaways. Talk to me a little bit more about what you saw, saw against Army. Um, and don't feel like you have to start with Wendell Moore. If there's something else you want to go to, go for it. No, Wendell Moore and the shooting are, are the two places that I would start in this game because Wendell Moore showed us all the, all the reasons that we're excited about him this year. And we talked at the beginning of the season about, we, we, in the stats preview, we said that we were tracking Wendell Moore's 10, five and five games. So we very Ooh. much got one of those. We, we got yeah. both games this weekend. We're 10, both, five and five games for Wendell both, Moore. both this weekend and, and Friday, uh, especially so. And what was funny about it is that I didn't realize nearly that he had that many assists, um, up to that point. So he's doing it in a, in something of a quiet way. And that, that I think is absolutely the place to start. Um, the, the, it was a bit of a slow going, uh, there, like late in the first half when army was, was able to catch up a bit on Duke, but 
um, Moore's leadership, I thought was the, was the key to this game. He, he sort of kept the, the flow of both the offense and the defense running and was able to get enough contributions from, from different places uh, on the team. When we get to the second game, I think there'll be a bit more uh, kind of talk about the, about the uneven performance, but, but at least in that first game, yeah, Wendell Moore was, was all that. Yeah, he had a, he had a wonderful game and, and, you know, part of the story um, was, was his all around game. But the other part of the story to me was, uh, Paulo Bancaro is just pretty much unguardable unless you are bigger. And this is sort of a whole weekend story. Um, pa- Paulo, when he gets the ball, it doesn't even matter if he's in the post, um, wherever he is on the floor, he's a threat to score. And he is, he's hitting his shots, especially his two point shots at a truly phenomenal rate. Uh, Sam, I'm not sure if you've tracked it. I'm not sure if you've, you've noticed it yet. Paulo on, Paulo on the season is, um, 20 of 24 on two point field goals. I, I want to repeat that. He's 20 of 24 on two point field goals this weekend. He was 13 of 16 on two point field goals. He's hitting better than 83% of his two point field goals on the year. And they're not all like, you know, it's not like he's doing nothing but shooting the ball within five feet of the basket. He's taking it's not difficult, all dunks. Yeah. He's it, taking it, difficult pull up jumpers and stuff. This is not a, our, our comp in terms of these kind of numbers is Zion Williamson, who, as folks may recall, hit better than 75% of his two-point shots when he was at Duke. And, and when Zion was doing that, it was because he was getting into the lane, getting to the rim at will and, and scoring. Paulo was doing this by hitting eight, 12, you know, 16-foot jumpers. It's, it's crazy. I don't know if it's sustainable. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not sustainable, but it's been fun to watch so far. And like you said, it's, it's that he's taking the, the shots from outside. I actually am nervous, I'll say, that th- this is definitely not sustainable because nobody shoots that well from outside in yeah. college or in the pros. Not outside, but, but long twos. Nobody shoots this efficiently, as, as Paulo has demonstrated the first three days. So I'm sure he's going to regress on that front, but it's now a threat. It's an established threat, and teams now have to game plan for it where most teams do not assume – that anyone that they're playing is, is able to hit, you know, the 16 footer, the 18 footer, that that's a reliable part of anyone's arsenal. And it clearly is for Paulo. He is, he's able to, to really score everywhere. Uh, he hasn't been hitting a lot of the threes yet. He, uh, he was one for one in this game, but overall it's not like he's hitting that many threes, but he can take them and he's confident enough to take them. And, and there are offensive moves that he can design around them. I also wanted in this game to, to highlight some of the contributions from sort of elsewhere on the team. Jeremy Roach, who was in both of these wins, I thought uh, looked much more poised in, in both games. Shooting, playing defense, the, the defense in particular, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to confuse, uh, I'm sorry in advance, I'm going to confuse the Army game and the Campbell game at some points. But on defense, Jeremy Roach was able to, uh, to, to disrupt a lot of what was, was coming at him. Uh, he, got, he got switched on um, a couple times with bigger players. And, and you know, it's not like he's going to be able to block 6'8 guys or 6'10 guys that are right, coming right. at him. But he's able, to, he's able to at least hold his own in time to have other players recovering to him. Duke, Duke plays this, this switching defense that can be, I think, tricky for, for some of the new guys to, to get a hold of. 
I think as a team, they're doing a very good job of it. And, and he is, is certainly holding his own. So I'm, I'm really impressed by, by that from, from the army game and from Campbell. So I, I think it, it doesn't work for us to keep on trying to talk about one game without talking about both of them. And, and the game we're going to primarily talk about is going to be the Campbell game because that is the more significant of these two contests. Um, the army game to some extent is, I don't want to say it went exactly according to to script or to plan. Army certainly fought hard and kept it closer much longer than people expected, but a 26-point win. In fact, Ken Pomeroy pointed out the 82-56 to final score. That's what his computer had predicted for this game exactly. It was the first game all season that his prediction was exactly right. Not the margin, but literally the points. He predicted 82-56. to The game was 82-56. to So... Sam, I think the easier thing for us to do at this point, let's do like our headlines for the Campbell game. And then let's talk about, mostly talk about the Campbell game, but let's talk about both games in tandem because that's, you kind of have to evaluate the weekend based on both of them. So I'll give you my Campbell headline first. Um, and, and I'm ashamed that I have done it, but I could not resist. Duke has trouble getting over the hump against Camels. Sorry, <laughs> I apologize. It had to happen. It had to happen. I do have a sub headline though. You know, there's like a big headline and then there's a little one underneath it. My sub headline is veterans Baker and more to the rescue as Duke holds off a very determined Campbell squad. What is your headline for the Campbell game? Uh, I'm doing a bit of a reference to an old red hot chili peppers song, but back to back is a real tough ask for Duke. Oh, uh, I like that. Uh, it, it's uh, it's the red hot chili peppers, magic Johnson song. Uh, which I think is from like before I was born, but was an extremely fun number. It is about basketball, so it's relevant here. So back to back is a tough ask for Duke against Campbell. I, as you saw, Although it's 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 worth noting. Campbell also played a back to back, not as the, the, they had more time off than Duke did their game. They played on Friday afternoon tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It was was an afternoon to a night game. Duke played a night game to a night game. So Duke, you know, has like a it's like three or four hours less to, to rest up. But both teams played a back-to-back, so I, I don't want to use that as an excuse for oh, an outstanding an effort by Campbell. Not an excuse. Campbell had, as we said in the preview, Campbell has experience. They had they had yes. basically all returning guys, and you could tell they were not at all phased by by being in Cameron. They were they were up to the task, so to say. Uh, they, and it really took Duke thirty five minutes to to feel like they were comfortably in control of that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. So final score is 67 to 56, 11 point win. I'm not sure you're ever comfortable <laughs> in an 11 point win until the final couple minutes. Um, I, I, I heard during the game, I, I hadn't actually processed this. Campbell returned 99% of their scoring and 99% of their minutes from last year. That's just- yeah, I, I said I said in the preview, there, there are no there are no newcomers on this team. And I, I made a when I was researching it before. I was, you know, looking up all these players because when, you know, one, w- w- admittedly, the, w- the way that I do this when we when we preview these games is I just go to all the player pages and kind of see what, you yeah. know, see what's been written about them and how they performed in previous years and and particularly the last couple of years, just looking at the class years. You know, if we were doing this exercise ten years ago, you would just look at all the players' class years and you would say, okay, this guy is in his third year in the program, this guy is in his second year in the program because he's a sophomore, etc. Nowadays, there's so much transferring that you see sophomores and juniors and seniors and graduate students on the roster and you'd have to check all of their history to see like how many years have they actually played for this team and did they transfer mid-season all, all that can kind of play into it Campbell doesn't have any of that so they're very used to playing with each other 
um, they're they're here, and I, I didn't check exactly the you know their their uh, schedules from the last couple of years, but they're in North Carolina. I'm sure they're getting to play to you know to play big time teams a lot. So none of this was was sort of new for them. They haven't played at Cameron, but but they've probably played at other big arenas and and against big programs. So so they were they were tough and 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 there to fight. And and when I was referencing the uh, the defense and, and Jeremy Roach earlier, I think some of that was from the Campbell game where he was, where he was having to deal with, with those big players who were able to back him down, who were, who were fighting with Duke for, for rebounds. Uh, we can talk, Jason, I don't know if you want to talk so much about on the bad side, the, the sort of inability for Duke's bigs to contribute much in the Campbell game because yeah. Campbell was able to run very fast and, and, and sort of around them rather than through them. Uh, yeah, I, I think the story of the game to some extent is that Campbell forced Duke to play their style of game. Um, uh, Duke Duke went small. I mean, like in a way that I think probably shocked all of us in terms of what we were expecting from the game. Mark Williams played five minutes and 41 seconds. Again, Mark Williams played five minutes and 41 seconds. To put that in perspective, Jalen Blakes played more than Mark Williams did in this game. If you told me Jalen Blakes is going to play more than Mark Williams, I'm thinking the game's a 50-point blowout, and Duke is basically not playing their starters the entire second half. Um, I, I believe I may be wrong. I, I, I tried to look and see. I don't think Mark Williams played at all in the second half. Like, no, and Joey Baker started and and played almost all the minutes in the second half. Yeah, the, uh, Theo and, John played only nine and a half minutes in this game. Um, you know, it was shocking the, the degree to which Campbell forced Duke's big men to sit on the bench. Um, and in terms of Campbell dictating the way the game would be played, they, they were unbelievable at holding onto the ball deep into the shot clock to, you know, they were perfectly comfortable working the shot clock down to the final five seconds, three seconds, and then taking a good shot. This is a team that plays an incredibly slow pace, one of the slowest pace teams in the country. They are the fourth or fifth slowest team in the land right now. Um, you know, so Virginia-esque in terms of how they play on offense. On defense, they're really good at being disciplined and forcing you deep into the shot clock as well. So like if you look at their advanced stats, it's not just that they play slowly. They force their opponents to play slowly as well. Um, they did a great job of rebounding with Duke. Campbell actually out-rebounded Duke in this game. I mean, what are the odds you could have gotten on Vegas for that stat? There's no way I would have thought that Campbell would have out-rebounded Duke. And it's worth noting that Campbell is picked to win the Big South this year, you know, with them returning everyone from a decent team last year. They're expected to be much better this year because they've got everybody back. Um, and they seem like a likely, like, maybe number 13 or 14 seed in the NCAA tournament type of team that, you know, you'd be very scared of if you're playing them um, in the, uh, you know, in the opening round, no one's going to want to play these guys in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, I think. And I think they're likely to, to get back there. So full credit to Campbell for, for doing a great job in this game. And, and to pivot over to that game a bit more and reference Jason, your headline for this, we have to talk about Joey Baker. And, and we said in the, in the preview for this season that Joey Baker's, sort of level of contribution to this team is one of those things that could go a lot of ways. There's a, there's a world where here's, he's the eighth or ninth player on this team and, and barely gets to play and, and is only in there for, you know, for quote unquote leadership. 
against Campbell, he was essential for, yeah. for shooting, for rebounding, for defending. I mean, he, this was one of the best games that he's turned in, in a Duke uniform. And we have to be excited. Not that we expect Joey Baker to play 30 minutes a game. I, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation, but that, that he was able to come off the bench and, and play the adjusted game plan and be one of the leaders of the adjusted game plan. When Duke realized that, that Campbell wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And I love the fact, I love the way Joey, when Duke finds him on the perimeter and a guy flies at him, Joey is great at doing that little pump fake. The guy flies by, he puts one dribble down to, to sidestep and then he buries the three. He did that a couple of times in this game to, to give Duke some breathing room in what was otherwise feeling a little bit, you know, uh, a, a, like a, like a game against a, a small college team that Duke might, might actually lose. Um, and by the I way, I would love to see, I would love to see Joey Baker, take in a little bit more of the of the JJ Redick uh offensive video skill set uh yeah you know content uh I I would love to see him moving around more on the perimeter because his shot is good like we know that his shot is good he's he's demonstrated in years past I just don't know that he that he gets open as much as as he's probably capable of and maybe I don't know maybe he's not as as quick as I as I sort of envision but it seems like when he's on the floor that he is quick uh, that he he can move around a bit, so I hope that he does that more. And 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 it might not be in the game plan, but it's there. And and I think it's hiding right beneath the surface. And, and I want to point out, um, hearkening back to the stats game again, uh, who who was it that said that Joey Baker would be the leading three point shooter in this team? It was me, and he is currently at forty five point five percent, Duke's leading three point shooter. So keep it up, Joey. Um, I I, I kind of want to. Um, shift to looking at, at like the entire weekend. And, and I want to start by talking about a guy we haven't mentioned yet, which is, which is Mr. Keels, um, who, you know, after playing uh, amazingly against Kentucky, being Trevor Keels was the best player in the game against Kentucky. I think most of us agree about that. Uh, he goes just four of 14 against Army, just two of nine against Campbell. He did have six steals against Army, but um, Trevor Keels, you know, struggled a little bit with these teams uh, and, you know, came back down to earth to some extent, um, you know, any concern that, you know, maybe he's trying to do too much or anything like that? No, I think that he figured that he could keep getting away with a limited offensive arsenal against both of these teams. And, and it was a lot of like driving straight at the hoop, trying to, to draw contact. And clearly they watched the tape from the Kentucky game because uh, that's exactly what he did against Kentucky. I think he he surprised Kentucky with how aggressive he was, but Army and Campbell both knew that that was likely going to happen. So he's going to have to... Re really quick, speaking of that, I want to point out one of the interesting stats in this game, you know, after Duke did a great job getting to the line against Kentucky, shot more than 20 free throws. Duke shot just 13 free throws against Army, just 11 free throws against Campbell. So keep on going with what you were saying. But yeah, I, they, no, they were, they were letting them play. They were letting them play, especially Friday night against Army. There were there were not a lot of stops in the game, and Duke has to has to adjust to that. They have to be ready for the potential that the refs are not going to give Trevor Keels all of all the fouls that he's looking for. Uh, and by the way, he needs to he needs to be conscious of that when he gets to the NBA too, because the NBA has 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 tried to limit the amount that offensive players are drawing the fouls as opposed to defensive players committing fouls. So. So it's definitely an important lesson for Keels to be taking in. I'm not worried about it. He seems like a like a smart enough player that he's going to adjust. It's just a matter of they didn't have time to do 
a lot of tape and, and changing any of the, any of the sets on Saturday in preparation for the game after the Friday game. So they, I'm sure they had to run a very similar playbook. Um, and the, the offense weirdly at this point in the season is very far behind where the defense is. I think that. The, Isn't that crazy? I completely agree. Yeah. This is the, uh, and Kiel's is emblematic of this, but I think you can look at a lot of the guys on this team and say, man, they really know how to lock up, especially one-on-one. But even when it comes to, uh, like whenever the ball gets gets inside the three point line when Duke is on defense, whether that's you know let's, let's say it's it's Trevor Keels who's guarding a guy 15 feet from the basket who has the ball, it always feels like there's one or two other guys who are reaching in trying to get that steal. Duke is able to to knock the ball out and and create chaos on defense uh, from from basically anywhere on the court. It's really impressive that that Keels and, and Roach, I'm not surprised that they can do it together, but that they're in sync with Wendell Moore, that Paulo Bancaro gets involved, that, that the big men get involved. Everyone sort of knows how to, how to play this kind of uh, havoc passing lanes defense. What's surprising to me is that it is, it is so far ahead of the offense. Usually when we have these young teams, we say, oh, on defense, they don't, they don't know the switches. They don't know how to, how to react to each other. They're reacting to each other really well on defense. It's on offense, I think, where the, where the uh, installation of of the game plan just hasn't clicked yet for Duke. And they've relied, I think, heavily. And you can look at, you know, th- there were more assists in the Army game than there were against Kentucky. Right. But still, still a lot of of guys having to create off the dribble, um, guys having to to improvise in ways that that the rest of the team is not sort of ready for. There was one fast break. Now I can't remember which game it was, but there was one fast break where, where Paulo uh, had like a, had like an open pass right right by the basket and and just you know threw it off you have to remind me which player it was but he threw it right out right it was keels it was trevor keels he threw it keels and and yeah threw it off keels's head (laughs) yeah and uh it was the campbell game by the way i I bet in three weeks that happens again keels flushes it so yeah uh, it's just it's just a matter of them you know getting getting a bit more time and and they'll have They'll have plenty of these non-conference games. We have two more coming up this week. So lots of time for Duke to get used to these things. But right here in the early season, it's not there. I, I don't know, if Jason, if you wanted to react to that, or there's one other player that I wanted to highlight, which was A.J. Griffin, because I think we saw a little bit more of him in these games. So bef- before you get to that, let me do this. Because I, I sort of, you know, again, like I said, I was sort of looking at the whole weekend holistically. And I want to talk about a couple other guys just really quick like statistically mostly so folks can really appreciate and understand what some of these guys did. And then, yes, let's get to AJ Griffin. It's definitely worth talking about him. Um, But, but the guys I want to talk about statistically, just the weekend again, uh, Wendell Moore, his weekend is 34 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists, only three turnovers, five steals. um, And, and, and one heart attack that he gave to every Duke fan because when he injured his knee and hobbled off, there is not a Duke fan in the country uh, watching that Campbell game, who didn't think we were losing Wendell Moore for multiple weeks for him to come back only minutes later with the team struggling and lost and just immediately right the ship. Like literally he comes back to the bench. Coach K immediately puts him in. Like he gets a steal and a dunk. Like just the second he gets back in the game, you're like, oh, I guess Wendell Moore's leg is not hyperextended. <laughs> Thank goodness. But he just had an incredible, unquestionably a team leader. And, you know, he's handling the point, by the way way more than Jeremy Roach's. There's a reason that he is far and away the team's leader in, a, in assists. We are, we are all going to be flummoxed in terms of picking who the team's assist leader was because we all thought it'd be Jeremy Roach. 
it is, it looks like right now it's going to definitely be Wendell Moore. The, the, the other guys I wanted to highlight, um, I, I just mentioned Jeremy Roach. He has 14 points in each game, 28 points in the weekend, 14 against Army, 14 against Campbell. Um, uh, starting to hit his threes a little bit better, uh, not turning the ball over a lot. Um, and Sam, guess who leads Duke in minutes played so far this year? Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach is Duke's team leader in minutes played. Now, that's probably only because Wendell Moore got hurt and, and sat for five more minutes than he would have ordinarily against Campbell because of the injury. But, but still, Jeremy Roach, Coach K, clearly really confident with him being on the floor because he's basically on the floor the entire games. And his forays to the basket, his ability to get in the lane, draw contact, finish acrobatically around the rim, these are sort of the things he was known for in high school. And to see him really cracking this out at the college level, um, really, really big deal. And then the last one I wanted to highlight is Paulo Bancaro. On the weekend, he has 36 points, 19 rebounds. Big weekend. But he had nine turnovers. And on the season, Paulo only has one assist so far. He's a, it's a little bit of a black hole. The ball goes to him, and he's not looking to pass a lot. Um, but, uh, I, you know, we highlighted it earlier. I just wanted to mention it again. His ability to get the shot he wants is really impressive. And so far, we're yet to encounter any player in college basketball who can stop him from doing what he wants to do. Whew, that's impressive. All right. You want to talk about AJ Griffin? You want to react to yes. me or talk to you about AJ Griffin? No, I, I, I think that the observations are all totally valid, so I don't need to repeat them. On AJ Griffin, uh, I think we, you know, in the event that Duke fans had not recalibrated the expectations for him, you very much have to now that we've seen this weekend of games after the Kentucky game. Um, he's, I don't think he's healthy yet, or if he is healthy, he's not, he's, he's behind in, in sort of preparation for this team. So it's going to be weird not having him available, given that like there, there were flashes this weekend where you could tell like, wow, the, the athleticism is, is definitely there for AJ Griffin. And, and he is uh, capable of, of uh, contributing on offense. We just haven't seen that much of it yet. A little bit more in the Campbell game than in the army game. But it's going to be a it's going to be a bit more of a challenge for him. I do think it's an opportunity for Duke uh, to have, in particular, Keels and Roach playing next to each other a lot more than they probably would have had had AJ been healthy during the preseason. But you know, maybe this means that that he comes on uh, stronger later in the year because because he's getting a little bit more of that development time. But for the time being, he's really coming off the bench and and not going to to add that much. Uh, at either end of the floor, I'm just excited for when for when he is fully healthy and is fully integrated because it's just going to be one more weapon for for Duca at both ends of the court. Yeah, he only played 16 minutes on the weekend, and and yeah, I, I uh, we are all so eager to see you know what this guy can do when he's fully healthy. It, he's obviously still working his way back into figuring out what he can do on the floor and how he fits with these other players. We've said it many times, but you know, I, I feel like I have to remind everyone again, it's a guy who didn't play for 18 months because of COVID and because of, of injuries and the such, you know, like his high school career is basically a freshman and a sophomore year. There was no junior or senior year for AJ Griffin. Um, and, and he's really young. Um, he's, I, I think he's just barely 18. Maybe he hasn't even turned 18. Um, so uh, AJ Griffin is a guy who 
athletically is clearly incredibly gifted. He, he's very skilled. We saw him hit a three-pointer from the corner in this game. I think he's going to be uh, an impressive and important player for Duke down the line. Just probably were a few weeks, if not the new year, away from seeing the real A.J. Griffin. So with that, we're done talking about sort of the content of the games, but we have to talk about something else, Sam. That is, you were there. You were in person. Give me a little flavor of Cameron, observations, what it was like, what the crowd was like, whatever you got from being in person for both the games this weekend. Yeah, and, and I want to, as I make these observations, I want to get your reaction to them because curious to see how much of this translated to TV. Because I wouldn't only... have it any other way, my good friend. Yes. <laughs> so uh, there, are, there are a few sort of minor changes in Cameron that you may notice this season. One that to me stands out a lot, uh, having having been in, in a number of games here the last few years is that I don't remember Duke ever having male cheerleaders. There were there were seven or eight cheerleader male cheerleaders for Duke uh, on the floor. Um, they were they they were doing some of the um, some of the kind of floor routine tumbling stuff that, that you might see from a from a big cheer squad. I think that um, what I what I heard from folks in the arena is that they've got sort of new leadership in the in the cheerleading department. And they're trying to institute a number of, of sort of new tricks. Obviously, uh, having having boys in there, in, in addition to the girls, sort of changes the um, what what they can do physically. But it was very interesting to see that because I had I had never seen that. I think it's been a long, long time bef- uh, since there were since there were male cheerleaders in Cameron. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, from the you know, I, I I think that it's still a work in progress. That they're still kind of getting their legs under them, and that applies, by the way to uh to to the fans in the stadium uh it has been it has been a while the observation i don't know if we've talked about this at length in preparation for the season but if you think about the student section the undergraduate students half of them uh were experiencing cameron for the first time this fall so what i had heard i had talked to a couple of uh, upper class students who said that you know it's exciting to get back but but if you if you were a student at Duke, you sort of know that a lot of the the enthusiasm is driven by the younger students who haven't been there before. Like they're eager to get in and and sort of see how everything works. Once you've you know once you're a junior or a senior, you may not go to all the games anymore unless you're a, a diehard like like me. Speak or for Jason yourself, McDonald's dude. Is. No way. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I I was certainly not one of those. But I know that the enthusiasm wanes among the general student population. Uh, as they go on in years, but there, so there are a lot of newbies in Cameron and they're still learning the cheers. They're still trying to figure out how everything works. They've got uh, new sort of cheerleading and, and band routines. So everybody's trying to figure out like, when do we do certain things? Again, if you, if you have been to a number of games in Cameron and you observe these things closely, you have probably noticed, you know, if you've been going there for years that game to game, the, the, you know, the, the script doesn't change much. Like they play the same songs at every timeout and they do the same dances and, and same cheers and stuff. It, it's fun because, because then people like learn what to do. Right. Um, right. But there, there's, but there's, there's, a, there's a learning curve for sure. Yeah. There's definitely a learning curve. We didn't get, I, I, I saw him in the building, but we didn't get any shout outs for crazy towel guy this weekend. So, so things what? are just, uh, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where the, I don't know where the communication breakdown was, but, but there was no crazy towel guy. Uh, this is not to say that, that people weren't excited to be there, but there's a learning curve and, uh, and, and hopefully, I don't know. Could you tell on, on TV that, that, that the crazies were a little out of sync? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I, look, these are 
So first of all, on TV, it's it, unless the crazies are in really great form, um, it, it's tough to notice a lot of what's going on. And and neither one of these games are the kind of games where, I, look, in both games, Duke had leads, small leads, close games, but but they weren't the kind of it wasn't like it was an ACC opponent where where the where you're really going to be into it, um, and uh, and because the lead wasn't huge. You know, and because there weren't like lots of turnovers leading to fast breaks and, you know, crazy dunks and things like that, it, it, it just it didn't it, it felt a little bit like you're watching a exam break kind of game, um, you know. Uh, yeah, it was I, I, I felt that that same kind of energy. And I think it's it's a good way to, to put it is that it, it felt a bit like exam break time when when the crowd's a little bit more uneven. So hopefully they they uh, they've taken some notes from this weekend and the uh, the line monitors can can whip the students into shape so that they can be ready for it. I also observed in particular on Saturday, a lot more empty seats. I imagine that's just from, you know, the football team was away. The, the It was two games in two days, which I don't know, most of the people who sit upstairs at Cameron are, are older. So uh, it might just be a lot to ask of them. But uh, I, I don't think that the, uh, I, I, we are not back to, to full Cameron experience yet i think it'll it'll take some time for everybody to to remember what to do but it was very cool to be there and see everyone the other thing that happened that i'm sure will be all this season is that there were a lot of former players in the building and the you oh, know, yeah the, the the team always always shouts them out uh in person like during timeouts you know welcome back so and so uh on friday night there were there were a lot of former players there one of them was josh harrison and and they put the uh, they put the names up on the screen for each of the players and show a picture of them when they when they shout them out so everyone can cheer for them. And sure. uh, whoever was was editing the uh, was editing the graphics uh, neglected to put Josh Harrison's name on the screen, and it just said "Welcome back, first name, last name," which oh. I mean, ugh, it's tough. It's a tough beat for Josh Harrison, who who had a lot of tough beats that he dealt with as a as a Duke basketball player. So that was that was hard for him. Uh, funny but but somewhat sad uh the other thing that i observed that i was i was kind of watching closely was emil jefferson on the bench uh, again probably something you you can't see much on tv because the camera is not really trained on the bench during the game but uh observing emil uh back uh, on the duke sideline not in uniform but in the in the polo shirt was uh was pretty neat he was he was very animated he was he was getting into the game speaking of the bench the other guy that I wanted to call out, who's one of the players, uh, this is also something I'm. I would be surprised if you if you noticed on the broadcast, although maybe it came through. Theo John during the second game when he did not play much was standing for most of the game on the sideline, um, not like he was in pain or something, but that he was so locked in to observing the game and 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 keeping the chatter going on the bench or, or with the teammates. Uh, it was it was honestly like kind of terrifying because he was just sort of looming in the corner. Like he was, he was just like standing on the sideline, but he was, he was just like observing as if he was a, he was like a, a, a quieter coach um, watching the game and, and, and kind of looking at, at different things that were going on. I think we're going to hear a few stories this season about how much the, this young team benefits from having a vet like Theo John on the, on the sideline. So that was another thing that that kind of stuck out. I love that. That's a really interesting observation. I, I did not notice that on the broadcast, the Campbell broadcast, but 
Theo strikes me as someone who he's probably not going to have uh, a, a long professional basketball career, uh, maybe overseas or something. If he finds the right circumstance, he's not really offensive minded enough to, to, um, it, it, you know, clearly not for the NBA, but, but even for some of these other leagues, but I, I, I could definitely see Theo being someone who you already get the impression that, that the Duke players really respect him. He's someone who probably doesn't talk a lot, but when he talks, everybody listens and knows that it's worth listening in. Um, it feels like a kind of guy who could definitely be a coach someday. Uh, and, and it sounds like you're describing him that way already. And I hadn't made this connection before uh, until I read it somewhere this weekend that Theo John's wearing number 12 this weekend or, or, or this year for Duke, which was Steve Wojciechowski's number when he played at Duke. And obviously Wojo nice. was, was, yeah. was Theo John's coach. So uh, I don't think he's necessarily addressed it directly, but you can tell that, that he's got, he's got a, a bit of the, the Wojo uh, sort of intensity uh, behind the eyes and, uh, and is clearly trying to impart that on the rest of the team. And I think so far in, in a way it's working. Um, so I, I'm excited to see that development from Theo John. One other observation that uh, was not inherent to the game. So Jason, I don't know if you, if you watched the video that Duke Blue Planet put out, I think it was yesterday. It might've been this morning of Marshall Plumley, yes. who was, was in town this weekend for the games. It was Veterans Day on Friday. So he was there with uh, with a number of guys from his Ranger squad. I encourage everyone who's listening, if you haven't watched it, I think it's about eight minutes long, but it's a speech that it's, it's, a, it's a Coach K speech and then a, a Marshall Plumley speech where he talks a lot about the sort of overlap of being a Duke basketball player and also being an Army Ranger and, and the, the feeling of, of camaraderie and accomplishment that comes from that. It was, it was really neat to hear. And he was, you could tell, I mean, he was fired up. They, they brought him out uh, at halftime to, to do some, some games on the court. Uh, he was, he was clearly fired up to be there. And you can tell from the video that it was, it was exciting for him and exciting for the players to, uh, to get to hang out with him. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a great video. And, and Marshall's one of these people who, uh, though he, um, though he does no longer represent Duke on a basketball court, um, his ability to represent Duke uh, in in public as a Army Ranger is is something just really really special. Uh, I, hey Sam, with that we're going to wrap it up. We are done with the games from this weekend with Sam's visit. Duke Duke though has we're, we're playing four games in eight days, folks, which means we got another one coming in just two days. Gardner Webb, a preview of what to expect when Duke plays Gardner Webb coming up after this quick break. So we're back and uh, Duke's tour of the big South continues with a matchup against Gardner Webb. They are uh, like Campbell. They are um, in the big South conference, not, not quite as good as Campbell, um, but still expected to be an upper tier team in that conference. Um, Gardner Webb has already played two games in the year. They've lost both of them, but they played two quality opponents. They lost to UNLV by 16. They lost to Arkansas by 17. Um, that, that says that they're not completely outclassed when playing um, legit competition. Now, let's not mistake UNLV and Arkansas for, uh, for Michigan and UCLA and Gonzaga, but, um, but those are, you know, those are two teams that are expected to, to be competitive with most teams in the country. And Gardner-Webb was at least somewhat reasonably competitive with them. So, so this may be uh, another opponent that, um, that Duke, you know, 
doesn't really run away and hide from. Um, and, uh, I, and let me tell you very quickly uh, a little bit about Gardner-Webb before I, before I get to Sam. And Sam, you can give me a little bit of what you expect, what you're hoping to see from Duke this week. Uh, for the first time this, this year, Duke's going to be playing a team that is not super experienced and loaded with lots of seniors. Um, it feels like everyone in the country is like that. Well, Gardner-Webb is not a team like that. Um, of the eight guys who play for Gardner-Webb, Two of them are freshmen, three of them are sophomores. They have two juniors and just one senior, uh, at least so far this, this season. So um, I, it doesn't feel like this is going to be a club that's going to be just way, way, you know, men playing against boys that, that has been an issue for Duke so far on the season earlier. Uh, their leading scorers for Gardner-Webb are a pair of guards, Lance Terry and Demorian Williams. Um, I would expect both those guys to shoot five plus three-pointers against Duke. These are guys who typically fire six, seven, eight, or more three-pointers in a game. They're both pretty good at hitting them, too. Um, Lance Terry hit 44% from three a year ago, and Damarian Williams is at is over 40% on this season. So those are the guys that are going to be taking the shots on the perimeter. Uh, inside, uh, their, their biggest player is 6'9", 205-pound junior, Kareem Reed. That's right, I said he's 205 pounds, and he is their biggest player. So he's the only guy on the roster who's over six, seven, and, and he's really not much of a rebounder. This is a team that probably is going to really struggle with Duke's size. And one of the key things to note about this game, it will Duke return to playing big men. <laughs> will Mark Williams and Theo John play very much against a team that is clearly really, really small or will coach K again, decide, okay, they're playing small. I'll match them by also playing small. It, Look, over the course of time, we have seen that Coach K, it looks like he prefers to play smaller lineups if other teams will let him. So I'm, I'm really going to be intrigued at seeing what Mark and Theo are able to do and how much time they get. Um, by the way, the leading rebounder for, for Gardner-Webb is 6'4 senior Zion Williams. Yes, his name is Zion. Um, he's their best rebounder on the season so far, but he's, he's a 6'4 guy. And, and, you know, by the way, it, he, he's the kind of guy who plays power forward for them. This is a team that plays 6'4". Six five six six players at power forward. If Duke plays their regular centers and and Paulo Bancaro is playing power forward, he's going to have a, a four plus inch height advantage on anyone he's playing against, and probably a thirty or forty pound weight advantage. So look for Paulo to perhaps just have a huge huge game. In terms of advanced stats, really quick on Gardner Webb, um, it's only been two games, but they are among the worst teams in the country at getting turnovers. They do not turn over their opposition very much at all. And they also get their shots blocked a lot. These are guys that when they go in the lane, they, they get their shots blocked like more than 20% of the time when they're taking a shot inside, inside the lane. So uh, Gardner-Webb is a team that, again, if Duke chooses to play big, this may be the kind of game where Mark Williams is able to really, really wreak havoc on the inside. Ken Pomeroy predicts, predicts sorry, that Duke will win this game by 21 points. He says it'll be 82 to 61. And we will see how that bears out. Okay, Sam, I've rambled on long enough. What are you looking for in this contest? I probably already stole it from you with the, with the commentary about whether or not Duke's big men go back to playing or whether they sit on the bench for another game. That is one of my two big questions here is, is about the big men. I, I really don't want it to be a, a repeat of the Campbell game all season where Duke can't play its bigs. You know, Theo John and Mark Williams are not, you know, fully – all over the court versatile, but they are very strong players and they should be able to get in more minutes than they did against Campbell. So I'm looking for that. Uh, if, if they're not able to play so much against Gard Gardner-Webb because of the, the matchup challenges, that does present a bit more of a concern. 
and then it's interesting you mentioned that that Gardner Webb has has a couple of good scorers who can really shoot from deep. Duke had trouble, I think, against both Army and Campbell recovering on defense specifically to defend the three pointer. Uh, there were a number of times where Duke was able to to sort of contain everything out to 15, 16, 17 feet, but that that opponents were able to get the kickouts and and get the open threes so and, and long sure rebounds. Gonna... And when they when they miss their threes, Duke yeah. struggled on long and, and rebounds. Long... Yes, long rebounds is, is is sort of part of that. So I I hope that um, that the Blue Devils are able to to shore up that part of the defense, um, be it the recoveries or the rebounds, to to limit that three point shooting. This is not as you were pointing out. This is not a game that I expect Duke to lose. Gardner Webb is in the two hundreds in Ken Palm, but um, stay focused and and hopefully lean into their own. Uh, style of play as opposed to having to match uh, the opponent's style of play. That's the stuff that I'm looking forward to on Tuesday. And before we go, uh, we do have to do player of the week. Um, I'm, uh, I'm very interested in hearing who you pick. Uh, Sam, who is your choice for the player of the week for the Duke Blue Devils? I think you mentioned that there were six triple doubles all time in Duke history. I, I was looking it up just to confirm it's five, three in the Coach K era. Uh, only five guys in Duke history have gotten a triple double. I, I said five or six. Yeah. 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 So, so, so we were, we were close enough. Uh, Wendell Moore can't to me have a triple double and play as well as he did otherwise in the other games, you know, other than the the few minutes that he was in the locker room getting his leg treated and, and not earn player of the week honors. Obviously Trevor Keels was overwhelming in, in the most important game that Duke played this week. That was the Kentucky game, but Wendell Moore across, across the three games was everywhere on the court. He's going to be, I think, uh, my kind of default player of the week, except when there are you know exceptional standout moments. So uh, I'm excited that my first player of the week award for this season is going to Wendell Moore. Uh, yeah, so uh, look, I think that you could definitely make an argument for, for Paulo Bancaro, who had a, a great week, but I'm with you 100%. Wendell Moore, 15.3 points per game. Six assists per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 1.7 steals per game. Um, he had uh, the, the only thing Wendell Moore didn't do great this week was shoot three pointers. He was less than 30% on his threes, but his two pointers were all going in. He was playing fabulous defense. He had a triple double. He was the team leader uh, and, and came back from what looked like a terrible injury to show us that he's apparently invulnerable or something like that. So I agree with you. Wendell Moore is the player of the week this week. And if Donald were here, I bet he'd make it three for three. <laughs> we, well, we can ask him hopefully the next time he, he appears. Yes. Yeah. We, for, from a completist standpoint, we will ask Donald who his player of the week would have been. We will be back after the Gardner Webb game, unless there's some major news between now and Tuesday, we will be back probably on Wednesday after the Gardner Webb game to talk a little bit about how that contest went and to preview what's coming up next for the Duke blue devils for Sam Klein. I am Jason Evans for Donald wine, who is off taking care of, uh, uh, of the U S men's uh, national soccer team. Donald, um, we are eager to hear who you pick as player of the week. Until then, we have to go. This has been episode 357 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It's time for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home.